Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. On Friday, I was, my wife and I celebrated 27 years. Um, I went to, I, I went, you know, I went to Outback too. Up in Rona Park though. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. And when I would, when, and I know the Lord orchestrated this. As you, as you know, the men at the, at the end of this month, the men are going to be um, feeding the homeless and those that are, have addictions. People that are dealing with addictions, people that are homeless. On Friday when we got to Outback, we were, we had, I called, I called because you can do call ahead seating. They don't do reservations though, per se, but it's like a reservation, but it's call ahead seating. But we're supposed to be there at 6.30, got to about 6.40, had to do a couple things in the house. But I'm telling you how God just orchestrates, orchestrates things. So we get there and in the parking lot, get out of the car, a, a guy on the bike is pushing the bike and says, do you, can you help me with something to eat? And my immediate advice, I said, I don't have money on me to give because he was asking for something. And I stopped. I said, um, let me ask you a question. I said, how did you get in the condition that you, you're in? I was at the back of the car and walked to the front as he stood there with glasses on, beard, cap, and he said, well, something about the Lord. I can't remember the exact words. I said, no, 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 no. How did you become homeless? How did you get in this position? And he didn't really give me a clear answer, but um, said some things about the Lord, things, tough times and things. I said, um, well, tell you what, where will you be after I come out of here? So, well, I'm not sure. I may just be anywhere. I'm not sure where I'll be. I said, well, because I would be more than willing to get you something to eat, but um, I'll do it once I come out. Um, he said, well, I'm not sure I'll, where I'll be. So he started leaving. I said, okay. So we started walking to the restaurant. He turned around. He came in the door. So we got the little pager thing they give you that will vibrate when it's your table, and we sat down. He came in, and he asked to see the manager. And so my wife was sitting there watching this, and I'm watching people as they're watching him, and I noticed when he asked for the manager, the hostess and some others kind of just looking, I'm thinking, at him. And I'm just watching and I already think I know what he's going to do. He's going to ask the manager for something to eat. And I had already determined in my mind what I was going to do when I saw him come in. I said, that's bold. So he comes in, and the manager approaches, shake his head, no, and I immediately got to say, go ahead and get him something to eat. I'll take care of it. The manager then said, all right, he says, want to give him a burger? And he said, I said, no, get him what he just find out what he wants. Now, people are around watching, and he went over to the corner and sat down right near the front, and he looked around the corner and said, God bless you, thank you. And so the manager went back and asked him, what did he want? And he said, when he got a burger, he says, no, I'm vegetarian. <laughs> well, a picky homeless guy, huh? <laughs> but, hey. So he goes back, and now I'm, I'm watching, and then he gets up, comes and sits next to me, and my wife's here, and, and we're talking. And so as we're talking, and I'm just, we're enjoying the conversation, I said, uh, I said so what's your name? Gary. Gary Fink. I said, well, would you grow up around here? Well, I grew up in Marin. We're at Marin. 
in Nevada and different places. Where'd you go to school? I went to Redwood. I went to Redwood. Uh, you have any siblings? The name Fink sounds familiar. You have any siblings? Well, I have an older brother. His name is Steve. 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 Well, what year did he graduate? He graduated in 60, 61 or 63. I said, no. What about you? Um, I graduated in, he said, 71. I have a sister, too, named Jessica. I said, so, I said, Fink sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. And uh, I said, well, my brother Ronnie grew, he graduated in 73, played football. He said, Ron? I go, yeah, that's your brother? Yeah. I know a Ron. Um, but I know a Ron from Nevada. Oh, he lived in Nevada. <laughs> but he knew him. I said, wow. Small world. Wow. I know Ron. And... As we're talking, the guy brings his food. Manager gives him the bag. He leaves, and God bless you, God bless you. First he told me he changed his name to Christ. I said, no, you're not Christ. (laughs) No, no, no. Mm -mm. We all said, no, 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 you're Gary, not Christ. (laughs) I did tell him that, too. (laughs) Mm -mm. No. (laughs) He leaves. The manager came back and said, I want to thank you. And I told him when he left, if he wants to come back and do some work, we'll give him a meal from time to time. He just wants to come back. I said, look at that. They offered him to do some work around in order to eat. Not only did that happen, when I got to the table and I told the manager, make sure you put in our bill and told our hostess, and, you know, our manager told us, you know, table three, and he said, you know, I just want to say, wow, that's very generous. It's great. Thank you. The manager's going to only charge you $5. <laughs> wow. Tell, tell the manager, thank you. But because of the decision, then my mind thought, you know, well, this is a head start on feeding the homeless end of this month. How the Lord will move and do things and me and my wife were talking. Look at the timing. We got stuck. Oh, I got to do this. She had to do this. Had to, got to go and do this. Got to get this ready. And so all, everything worked out for the exact time and purpose that we needed to be at that place in the parking lot, in that parking space at that time. That's how God does it. And I want you to know that when you Say, God, I want to do your will. God will orchestrate events in your life for you to be a blessing to somebody else. So that you will be a blessing for somebody else. You never know who you might meet. Never know. Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. Stand with me, please, as I read the word of God. If you're able to, for those who are not able to, you may be seated. Not a problem. I understand. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. In fact, I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples. And after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. Because the Jews made a plot against him, just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. 
He was accompanied by Sopater, son of um, Pyrrhus, from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, Antichicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Thank you, Lord, that I have until midnight tonight to teach and preach this message. Y'all didn't laugh. That's okay. You have to take it dry. You stink. <laughs> there were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, thank you, Lord, I got till tomorrow morning now, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Say with me as a title, Preaching Life and Death. <laughs> That's the title. You may be seated. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Preaching life and death. The worship on the first day of the week is here mentioned for the first time in Scripture. Worship on the first day of the week is mentioned the first time in Scripture in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. This mention of the first day of the week is noteworthy as it suggests the acceptance of Christ's resurrection as the day for the change from worshiping on Saturday for those who put their trust in the Lord. By the second century, the second century, centuries so that you know are broken up from 1 to 100 is the first century. 101 to 200 would be the second century. 201 to 300, third century, and on and on. So by the second century, century, most Christians were worshiping on Sunday, which is the first day of the week. While during the first century, we see believers of Christ beginning to worship on the first day of the week, Sunday, Saturday, the Sabbath, was still the major day of worship for those following Judaism. We note that Paul, in all of his travels, would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. A.D. 70, the destruction of the temple and the Jews, when you look at the, the, the day that broke in regards to Jewish history, a memorial or what we would call a watershed date in history, A.D. 70, which was the destruction of the temple and the Jews were dispersed throughout the world. This changed the course of history for the Jewish nation. The Lord prophesied of the, of the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 was the date this prophecy was fulfilled. It was in the first century that Christians 
identifying with Christ, use the day of his resurrection as the day for changing worship from Saturday to Sunday. It is no wonder that Satan tries all that he can to take away the emphasis of the resurrection of Christ and place it on the major and place uh, and place it on the major sporting events on Sunday. So when you look at Sunday's being the resurrection of when Christ came back to the earth or he he rose from the dead Sunday, it is no wonder that Satan uses that day as a day to try to distract. Most people look forward to Sunday football. And even Christians today stay home from church to watch football. It is not by accident that Satan uses the first day of the week as a day not to remember Christ, but the day to look forward to picnics, sporting events, and brunches. It is not by accident that Satan shifts the focus away from Christ as the last day of the weekend for the person to complete everything that they didn't get done on Saturday. No. So Sunday is looked forward to not to serve God, but to enjoy self. So while people don't want to be late for the kickoff of the football game, the kickoff of honoring God is not that important in life for people. It should be noted that the first day of the week in the first century was a work day. You hear me? When the Lord made earth, created this world. Six days he gave for work. Sunday was a work day. Remember this. It's important in the message. The only day off was a Sabbath, which was Saturday. So the new Christians worked on Sunday and met in the evening on the first day of the week when Christ rose from the dead. How interesting this is. Many people have two Days off and still complain about all that they have to do. And that's why they can't get to church. Point number one, and the only point I will be dealing with, dying to hear the word of God. And that's a pun, too. Dying to hear the word of God. You know where that comes from? Eutychus falling out the window. Dying to hear. This young man, Eutychus, is one of many people on the third level, more than likely a home. Homes were arranged in such a way to where on the second and third level were oftentimes large meeting rooms. And it was in these places where the gatherings of people and the church began to occur. Because, you see, once Christ came, it, they couldn't worship in the synagogue, so they were often forced out because Christ was not accepted. They would meet in homes. And so this is where we find Paul. Now, Paul is coming to the end of his third missionary journey. And as he has been run out of town from place to place, and as you know, we talked about Ephesus, and as he's left there, he, there, there's, there was a plot on his life, and so as Paul's going to make his, his way back towards Jerusalem, he had to change, change directions, and he comes to the place of Troas. Troas. And you need to note that it is in this place that Paul was for seven days. 
And the day that he's about to leave, the last day before he leaves, it's Sunday, and he gathers the church together, and they are meeting in this large upper room. They're not just meeting with candles. They're torches that they would often use to light the room. Now, evidently, because of the heat, as you know, heat rises. See, in my place, we have an upstairs and downstairs. It's normally cooler downstairs, and at the end of the day, the sun beams directly into my room. And for whatever reason, it just stays hot sometimes all night long. Got the fan on. And that room never seems to be able to get rid of the heat. Other side of the house, when the heat, when the sun comes up in the morning, those rooms are cooler because it comes up earlier. But time it gets to my room, the heat of the day, it just seems to say, well, hey, we just going to hang out here all day long, the rest of the day, and all night. We don't care how uncomfortable, Brother Small, you might be. We are here to stay. We are comfortable. So the heat stays in our room. So we have fans blowing. My wife had more fans blowing. I can just have one. I'm generally fine. <laughs> but in this large upper room, they were meeting. Now, it is possible that after a grueling work day, they only may have had time to run home briefly and go to the meeting place. Remember, Sunday was a work day. And so the church is gathering in the evening to honor and worship God on the first day of the week because they have put their hope and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a matter of fact of the resurrection, because they are recognizing the resurrection, they meet on this day. So after a grueling work day, they gather together. And so this one man named Eutychus is seated by a window. And we have to assume to get some air because of all those bodies and those torches, it's hot in that room. Now, windows were not like windows you think about here. The windows back in that day, according to Dr. R.C. Sproul, they were actually called wind doors. And they were built from the floor up very high in order to allow the breeze to go through. We get the word windows from the wind doors back in the first century. Actually, it may have been before then. But the wind doors, they were wind doors to allow air through. So it's not like Eutychus is sitting on the windowsill. He's sitting on the edge of this window from the floor where there's a large opening. And as he sits there, Paul is bringing a word because Paul is going to leave and he's not going to be coming back that way before. And so he preaches a long time because this is the last time that Paul will be coming to Troas. And so the church gathers together to hear. And this is where we find this scene here taking place. It's commendable that this man Eutychus is there. Now I can understand old people getting sleepy after an hour or two. Person working hard. But when a person sleeps all day long, 
gets up an hour before church, comes to church and falls asleep in church, we got a problem. Now, if you were working all day long, had to rush to the church, down a Big Mac on your way into the door, I can understand the heat and the Big Mac weighing on you. But not when you've been sleeping all day long. It is incredible how the enemy does not want the word of God to be heard. This young man begins to doze and drift off. And the Bible says that when he was sound asleep, you see, it is a nodding off. It is a state of tiredness that Satan works in the lives of people before giving the death blow when they have fallen soundly asleep. Spiritually, most people don't fall to their deaths while wide awake. It is a luring, a drowsiness that's leading people to being completely asleep before Satan can have his way. Do you not know that Satan is luring you to sleep? In order that he can have his way in your life, it is alluring. It is a step-by-step process. I know what it's like to get sleepy in church. I know what it's like to get sleepy in a minute. I can tell you this. How much time I got? We're telling for the nuns kick off you. I know y'all trying to get out of here. I know y'all watching the clock. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Because y'all going to go home, the 49 is going to lose the day. Now I'm messing with y'all. <laughs> I'm messing with y'all. <laughs> he said 530. He said they got, they got the late game. You see that? So we got up until 4. We got up until 445. Just enough time to get home. <laughs> it is. It is the enemy's plan to keep making us tired spiritually. It is the enemy's attack and attempt to cause you to have your eyelids be heavy spiritually so that he can have his way with you. You see, when you begin to drift spiritually, there are things that come along that oftentimes will shake you and you jump and say, oh, i got to make sure I'm right with the Lord because there's a shake. You know when you're falling asleep and you get in that state right before sleeping and something happens, you're falling and you jump because you feel like you're falling down and that's what hate happens in your spiritual life. Satan gets you to a place and right before you start dozing, God brings something to remind you. Wake up! A warning sign that God gives you that Satan's close. Don't lose your focus. And as we drift, we drift, we drift, Satan is just waiting for the opportune time to act. That's what happens spiritually. But this young man, Eutychus, not that Satan is using him, but Satan will use the distraction of a death to destroy what's being said. You see, because he does not want the word of God to be preached, this young man may have been tired and it's, and it's, and it's just down and he's going on. It's a long day and now it's midnight. Yes, he's tired. 
Satan will use any means possible to stop the word of God from being heard. Because the focus would have been, oh my God, Eutychus died. And everything that Paul may have been saying would have been forgotten. Because of the death of this young man. Watch the attempts and the tricks of the enemy to take your focus off of God. There's nothing off limits for him. There's nothing that he won't do to try to keep you from being responsive to God's word. And so he will allure you. He will allure you to sleep. He'll, he'll sing lullaby songs to you, stroking you until he can have his way. Falling of this young man out of the window would have immediately brought a halt to the word of God. And so we see. In this particular situation, that as he falls, everybody more likely screamed as he falls out the window. And I can imagine those rushing to the side and looking up and going, oh, and they ran down the stairs as he broke his neck, dead from the fall. Brings to mind two passages or two persons in Scripture, and both in Kings, where Elisha and Elisha, brought back two boys, two young men that were that died, threw their bodies on them. And the Lord allowed the miracle to bring them back to life. You find for Elisha in Second Kings chapter four. Elisha in Second Kings, and then for Elijah, first Kings seventeen. After Paul does this miracle, goes down, throws himself, he says, He's okay. He's okay. They go back upstairs and break bread. Now, at this time, the first day of the week, not only did they hear the preach, there was a breaking of bread, there was communion, there was, there, was, there was feasting, and there was the word of God. But as they go back upstairs, they break bread. But the Bible says something very interesting that we will miss if we're not careful. Paul went right back to preaching. And kept them all night long until it was daylight. Some of y'all I know have seen the sun come up in your days of partying. Don't tell me you haven't. Some of y'all supposed to have been home a long time ago was trying to beat the sun home. I know. Y'all trying to beat the sun home? Don't tell me you weren't. You were. Trying to ease and sneak in the house. Paul preached until daybreak. And the Bible says, they then left and took the young man home, Eutychus, alive. And they were greatly comforted. Now, now look at this miracle. Not only was he restored, God healed his neck. Whatever internal injuries from the fall that may have occurred were healed. When when God does a complete work, he does it from the inside out. Some of y'all need healing from the inside out. 
God has been calling, calling, calling. This young man in this room, sitting there, was dying to hear the word of God. <clears throat> dying to hear the word of God. What would have ended in grief ended in joy and rejoicing and strengthened the church in Troas. There was rejoicing when they were able to lead that service with that young man. And I could hear them as they walked down the street saying, y'all should have been there last night. Y'all missed it. Troas fell out the window. I'm sorry, Eutychus fell out the window to his death. Paul went down, stretched himself on him. He came back to life. All of his injuries were healed. Went back upstairs. And when he went back upstairs, he didn't sit that close to the window the next time. In fact, they put a barrier next to that window. But he went back upstairs. He didn't do like some. I'm going home. <laughs> he went back upstairs and continued to hear the word of God. Imagine this. Eutychus went back upstairs, ate, and listened to the word. I bet he was wide awake then. Look at this. I got four questions for you as we end and come to a conclusion. Four questions. Have you fallen asleep? in your Christian life, and not have allowed God's word to resuscitate you? Have you fallen asleep in your Christian life and have not allowed God's word to resuscitate you? Number two, has Satan lulled you into an almost sound sleep, placed you in front of the third-story window, and now waits before you simply fall to your death? I'm going to read all of them twice. Has Satan lulled you into an almost sound sleep, placed you in front of a third-story window, and now waits before you simply fall to your death? Three, have you made promises in your alert and wakeful moments to do better, only to have your statements and words fall to their depths when you again drift off to sleep? Three again. Have you made promises in your alert and wakeful moments to do better, only to have your statements and words fall to their depths when you again drift off to sleep? And number four, do you live to hear, honor, and obey the word of God, or are the cares of this world sucking all of the oxygen and energy from your life so that only what's available to God is a prolonged, deep, and deadly slumber? Do you live to hear and honor and obey the word of God? Or are the cares of the world sucking all of the oxygen and energy from your life so that only what's available to God is a prolonged, deep, and deadly slumber? In that upper room, all those bodies and that fire was sucking all of the oxygen out of that room. Is that happening in your life? Is that happening in your life? Is it being sucked out? Or are you making sure you're connected and staying in 
the hearing of God's word. Be fooled and going in the opposite direction. But when the church has been lulled to sleep thinking they've got time, sin running rampant, not knowing that we've got to deal with eternity. Satan is lulling some of us to sleep so that the only thing that has to happen is when we sound asleep, he just pushes the finger and we fall to our death. It's a church that must be alert, must be awake, must be responsive to the word of God, must hear what the Lord is saying. Are we willing to die to hear the word of God? Bow your heads as we end. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus in this place that the rocking and the cradling will cease in the lives of people as they are looking to be lulled into a sleep, wanting songs to put them to sleep. But God, we pray we will hear the word of God and wake up. Be alert, fervent, Responsive to what God is saying. Active in obedience to the word of God. We pray today in Jesus' name that we'll be sensitive to the tactics of the enemy. We'll be mindful that we've got a great God to stand before. We have an enemy of our soul who's trying to destroy us. Make us alive and alert, Lord. May we make you our priority. Our time on this life is short. And so we pray that we'll make use of the time wisely and well. We honor you today. We praise you. Pray that these questions, Lord, will penetrate our being. We'll answer them honestly. And then respond accordingly. We pray today that you will be lifted up. We pray today that you will be loved. We pray that you will carry us forth to do the work that you called us to do. May the church be alive for a world that's dying. May we not be asleep as the world slumbers, but may we be awake, snatching and pulling them from the very flames of hell, letting people know there's a day that's coming and we must be alert and fervent. We must be willing to hear the word of God at all costs. That we'll have the joy that only the word can bring. I give you the glory and praise. In Jesus' name. Amen.